You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlak. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Girls with Graphs, and happy Valentine's Day. Happy I'm, Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes, Amber and I are so excited to host a special lovey edition of Girls with Graphs today. <laughs> well, I am so excited to be here, and I'm so excited to introduce our guests. So, too, um, we thought it was only fitting that on Valentine's mm-hmm. Day, we have a couple um, of folks that I th- I think are, are pretty in love. So um, I'm going to let them tell us for themselves. But uh, Rachel, will you introduce our amazing guests that we have on our show today? Yes, yes. So first up, we have Dan Plexman, who at the age of 35, Dan was severely burned in a workplace electrical fire. It's been a difficult journey, but Dan feels being burned was the best experience of his life because he would not be a world champion arm wrestler, a professional speaker, a comic book writer, or met his wife without the experience of being burned. Lately, Dan spends a lot of time traveling across North America and Europe to speak about workplace safety and to complete to compete in arm wrestling tournaments. He lives on a little lake in Ontario, Canada with his wife and their dog, Kona. And then his lovely wife, Nazia Holverdez, is a fatal car crash burn survivor from Greece. Today, she spends most of her time in Canada, happily married to Dan. She became an artist by accident and decided to follow this path professionally. She is a North Greek Greece Artists Association member and a certified art therapist. She is also a speaker, and since her ac- accident, she has lived a more purpose-driven life by sharing her story to promote safe driving and to raise awareness about mental health and burn trauma. Today, they both join us to talk about how the burn community ignited the smart- spark of love between them. Welcome, guys. How are you? Hello. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Amber. Good. Thanks for having us. It's very Thanks nice to be here. here. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> and was I right to say that you two are definitely in love on Valentine's Day? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, um, I know a little bit about you, but um, I want our listeners to be able to um, hear more about you today, uh, today about your burn injuries. Um, so I'm going to start there, Nasia. Can we begin with you and tell me a little bit about yourself and and your burn injury? Absolutely. Yes, I was uh, I was involved in a car accident back in 2001. At the time, I was uh, married, not to Dan, to another guy that he was actually the driver of the vehicle. And uh, it was pretty horrific experience. I got um, severely injured with um, burns on 74% of my body, third and fourth degree burns, came really close to losing my life, uh, came close to amputations. Like we, we all know the struggle that we go through when we have such uh, severe injuries and burns. Uh, but the most important thing that shocked me and devastated me was that I lost two friends because of that accident on that day. So that was really very, very difficult to, to accept 
and uh, go through all that, you know, emotional acceptance and healing. So mm-hmm. that was my injuries. I was um, I was in Greece at the time. So uh, for the first the first eight days of my uh, injury, I was in in Greece. But unfortunately, they couldn't really do much for for me except just wait. And that wasn't good enough for my parents, so they made all the uh, all the arrangements that they had to, and they uh, took me to the UK. And that's actually where my my story of survival started, because that's where I fought, and that's where I received excellent care. And I really, really am so grateful for that medical team because they did everything to keep me alive, and they succeeded so here i am today uh, i spent three three months in the hospital i made a remarkable recovery they were very amazed um, from the extent of my injuries how fast i recovered and i got out of the hospital of course i was in a wheelchair for the first uh, six months and it was a very uh, difficult road to recovery but i made it and i'm very proud for that so yeah here i am today and how long ago, Nasia, was your burn injury? That was in 2001, so 22 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, she's got about seven years of experience being a burn survivor on me. So I've learned a lot. <laughs> I've learned a lot. Next year, I'll be able to say that I lived my whole, my half my life as a burn survivor because I was 23 when I got injured. It's funny because someone else on one of our episodes brought that up to us of, mm-hmm. of saying like, you know, I've been able to, and it's funny how we think about that, right? If I've lived half of my life as a, a burn survivor. So I find that interesting that that's, you know, something you, you want to kind of think about. So that's, that's mm-hmm. fascinating. I'm actually looking forward to that because I, like the first years of our life, the first decade, it's just, we don't remember anything or we right. we don't remember much anyway. And we're not productive. It's like, we'll go to school, we get our education, blah, blah, blah. We start our adult life and that's okay, but it's really in the early stages of our life. But mm-hmm. what happens after the age of 20 is what you really do in your life. And that's, um, I was a burn survivor at 23. So basically I feel like I don't remember my life before being injured. Mm-hmm. I really don't have many, many memories before. It's weird. Yeah, like your whole kind of like in your adult life, even though you were over the age of 18, but your whole like independent life, you've been a survivor. So it's definitely something to celebrate. Yeah, well, I I was um, um, I was very productive from very young age. Like I was uh, 19 years old when I had my own business. I got married oh, wow. at the age of 20. Um. 23, I got the accident, and then everything changed. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. completely. A different life, a different person, inside mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and before we dive more into that, Dan, can you tell us a little bit more about your burn injury as well? Sure. Uh, I was working as an electrician, uh, power linesman uh, type electrician, working in a hydroelectric uh, yard. Uh, I was in a man lift. Uh, about 20 feet in the air and the lines I was working on, it was a live station and uh, I didn't make direct contact with those overhead lines, but I 
did come close enough to create an electrical arc and that uh, electricity overhead jumped from the overhead lines and uh, hit the uh, man lift and uh, set it on fire. And I was just caught in a cage of fire and I jumped out of the man lift, but I was still connected by my safety harness. So I hung there swinging on fire, burning and burning until the, my safety harness, it's a big, thick nylon belt. If people don't know what a lanyard is, that's what it's called. Uh, so that lanyard safety harness belt, it uh, burned completely through. And then I fell the 20 feet or 17 feet to the ground. Um, I ended up having a third to sixth degree burns to 60% of my body. And I noticed when I say sixth degree, a lot of people don't even know that there is a sixth degree. And typically third degree is kind of like the worst burns that most burn survivors talk about and have. But uh, there are fourth, fifth, and sixth degree. And sixth degree is actually you've burned your bones. That's what it means. So my burns were very deep for two reasons. Uh, electrical fires are usually extremely hot, like a lot hotter than the average fire. And uh, because I was on fire hanging by my safety harness for so long, I it was a time thing and a heat thing. So... Yeah, it was, um, I was burned. I fell to the ground. My coworkers put the fire out, and uh, I was put in the ambulance right away. Uh, then flown to the uh, burn unit, which was about six hour drive away, but we flew. And uh, yeah, I ended up having uh, about three and a half months, or maybe three, yeah, just over three months in the burn unit, having surgery after surgery. Uh, and to my regret, I left the uh, I left the burn unit about nine months early against the doctor's orders. The doctors uh, they wanted me to stay for another nine months at the rehab clinic and learn how to live life and that sort of thing and continue with the the heavy regime of surgeries that I was going through. But uh, where I lived was about eight hour drive from where the burn unit was, so it was a really difficult thing having my 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 family always having to stay in hotel rooms and just the uh, geographical distance was a real problem. Plus I just wanted to get out of there and go home. And like I said, it was a, it's a, it's a regret now, but I went home anyway and uh, kind of figured things out on my own with my family. And I think that's a big part of how my PTSD kind of took over because my family did the best they could, but they weren't prepared. They weren't trained they were doing what they could with what they knew how and like my mom was actual a nurse a retired nurse my sister was a psw uh my fiance at the time she was actually a practicing nurse and you'd think that they would have the know-how to do what needed to be done but unless you are an actual actually trained to work with burn issues you don't nobody has a clue on what to do mm -hmm. and with my anger and my depression and uh i couldn't control my rage i, I was very uh i was angry mm -hmm. i was snide and i made a lot of people feel uncomfortable and i heard a lot of feelings by the words i things i said and uh but it's all it is part of ptsd and i'm not making excuses but it's a process that has to that people have to go through and 
and like I said, unless you're trained, unless you're prepared, you don't really know what's going on. And I really wish I would have followed more advice from the healthcare providers and I would have taken uh, more heed and I would have embraced the psychological counseling and uh, the psychological and the mental health issues. I should have addressed those a lot more, but here I am 15. I was going to say, well, you're here today. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it took me a long time to realize it, but now I'm realizing this experience really was the best experience of my life. Uh, Like I said, I was burned at the age of 35 and I'm coming on to my 50th birthday uh, this summer. Happy birthday. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so I'm at like at the 15 year mark coming up and a lot of people can, they don't understand why I would say that being burned was the best experience of my life, but it's given me so many new opportunities and it's forced me to deal with a lot of childhood abuse that I was dealing that I never actually dealt with. And there was a point in my recovery where I was having surgery after surgery and I was festering on the things that happened to me when I was a child and as a young boy. And I don't know if it was my sister or my brother, but they said like, what's going on with you? Like you should be focusing on this next surgery that's going on. You should be like working on yourself right now and talking about your injury that's happening with you right now but all you're talking about is the stuff that happened to you like 20, 30 years ago. And I was just like, I don't know why it's just what's going through my mind. And that's when I actually accepted like in my heart, in my mind where I realized, okay, I need to talk to somebody like a real professional. And uh, I had about three or four different counselors, psychologists until I found the right one. And I think that's important that you share that message because not we don't always find right the right mental health counselor right off the bat. And I think that can can be difficult. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Uh, I know it was a combination of personalities where I just had nothing in common with the first two guys that I had that I was dealing with. Um, but at the same time, I was so angry. I was looking for reasons to be angry and I was looking for reasons to pick them apart. Uh, and then I've, then I found the right guy and he didn't allow me to pick them apart. He didn't allow me to, uh, <laughs> things. and he just kind of knew what I needed to hear. And uh, I consider my psychologist still one of my best friends, mm-hmm. as I do with a couple of my other therapists, like my, my occupational therapist, uh, I can't see him without hugging him. It's just how it is. And Nasia, I know uh, you talk a lot about mental health as well, right? With your recovery. And so um, do you want to touch a little bit about how um, you work to raise awareness about that as well? Sure. Um, well, mine is uh, connected. My mental health uh, is connected with art. At the, at the early stages of my recovery, even when I was in, in the hospital, I remember that every Wednesday there was this lady that was coming into my room. She was a psychologist to check up on me. So every time that she was there and I knew her occupation, I was just 
blocking her. Like I, I was not open to discussing anything about my feelings. It was, I had everything bottled up. I put on a, a brave face and a big smile and I said, I'm fine, I'm fine. When the door closed, when everyone was gone, I wasn't fine. <laughs> Obviously. But I, it was all so new that it was hard for me to open up. I had to first digest everything that was happening, especially learning about my friends passing. It was really, really a very dark time in my life. And I wasn't ready or willing to share it with anyone else. Plus, uh, when we were in the UK, I was uh, with my mom. So it was just me and her. And I knew how frustrated and sad and worried she was. So I didn't want to bring more weight on her shoulders with seeing me not being okay and handling the situation. Mm. So when that lady came to the room, um, she was asking me, how are you today, um, Nasia? How do you feel? And I said, uh, I'm okay. Uh, how are you? What are you doing this weekend? Where did you go last weekend? How's your family? Like I was asking more questions <laughs> and I didn't give her any room to learn anything about me. So at the end, they just, they kept on coming. Uh, there were two psychologists, but they knew that they were not going to get anything out of me. They just knew. But I'm so glad that those two ladies were there because they gave so much support to my mother that she needed that support. And then my mom could help me. And the way that my mom helped me was uh, by introducing me to the world of uh, creating art, painting, drawing. And it's a funny story because at the end of my stay in the hospital, I won't say recovery because it's been a long process up to this day, but um, about a month or three weeks before I was the, um, dis discharged from the hospital, the doctor and the uh, you know, the whole medical care, physiotherapists, and they just came and said, you know what, you're doing so well. And I was, I was making a remarkable recovery, as I said before, but you are regaining movement to your hands. Um, we need to keep your hands moving. Mm -hmm. And we know that we are not going to offer you physiotherapy every day, like twice a day, uh, like we used to. So when you go home, you need to work on your hands. Just focus and work on your hands, work on your hands. So my mom came up with the idea, well, I'm going to show her how to paint and draw and then maybe she will work on her hands. And that's what she did. We went, mm -hmm. as soon as I got discharged, the first stop wasn't going back home. It was going to a hobby craft. <laughs> yes, and we spent a few hours in there. We came out with... Uh, all sort of different things that I would, might want to try, mosaic and uh, knitting and embroidery stuff and weaving. weaving. Yeah, basket weaving. <laughs> yeah, well, that was in, in the hospital, actually. And <laughs> painting brushes, paints, canvases, all this nice stuff. It was, it was nice uh, to uh, focus somewhere else and be creative. And um, that's how I was introduced to art. And I know that... The feeling that I got when I started creating something, that's that's where my emotional healing came because 
while I was in the hospital, I I was certain, I was sure that there was nothing that I could ever do with my hands ever mm-hmm. again. Like, this is it. My life is over. Although I wasn't expressing all those feelings or I wasn't putting the words out there <laughs> for people to know and help mm-hmm. me. I believe that in in the core of my heart, I knew that I wasn't going to do anything in my life. That was it. And then when I first created my first painting, my first creation, even it was it wasn't really good, the first one, but <laughs> you created something that something just gave me gave me hope. Mm. Creating something from nothing, it just showed me that, well, you can still do things. Mm. And that really helped me. And that's how I started um, healing emotionally. And uh, because I experienced all those beautiful feelings, I kept on uh, working on my art. I kept on creating. I threw away a lot of stuff. I gave us <laughs> a lot of stuff. And I don't know if they ever hung them on the wall, but <laughs> it's okay. It gave me joy and happiness. And I just wouldn't stop. And that also gave... Um, some relief to my mom. I could see that she she was happy seeing me changing my, my mental state. And that was another bonus on top of my healing, uh, emotionally healing, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was how I cured, cured or healed my mind and my and my heart by art, mm-hmm. creating something. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And it's awesome, too, because not only were you having kind of art as a way to express yourself, but it was also, you know, helping your hands and your mobility. So uh, really got double duty there. That's awesome. What, what I always say is that what started as a physiotherapy ended up to be my emotional therapy, my mm-hmm. mental health therapy. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, since it is Valentine's Day and you both and you're a married couple, I don't know much (laughs) about, you know, how you guys met. So I'd love to learn a little bit more of, you know, how did you guys meet? You're kind of on opposite sides of the globe. (laughs) (laughs) Turn this to Dan. (laughs) Okay. Um, We we both we met online. And when I say that, people oh, really? What was that like? And it's well, we didn't actually meet online with the purpose of any romantic uh, initiative or agenda. Uh, There's a burn survivor from Saskatoon, Canada. I really hope she's originally from Saskatoon, but I have a feeling she's not. But either way, her name is Kelly Boudreaux. And she started a Facebook page, I don't know how many years ago, and I'd say probably going on 15 years, I'd say. And... uh, there's about 4,000 of us from all around the world on it. And at a burn survivor conference, she uh, gave everybody the, uh, the link for the page. And I joined about a year or so later. And then Nasty and I just started talking and I had a girlfriend at the time. She, Nasty was single. And like I said, there was no romantic feelings at all. It was just strictly two burn survivors talking like, the other 4,000 of us on there. And over the course of a year or so, um, and I didn't have a girlfriend at the time because we broke up. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, things, were gro- things were blossoming and growing between the two of us. But Nasty lived in Greece. I lived in Canada. So there wasn't really much of a chance of us meeting, we didn't think. 
but then we we're like, we have to meet, let's just do it. So without ever actually meeting in person, we booked Nassia's flights to come to Canada for three and a half weeks. And then we booked my flight to go back with her for three and a half weeks. Wow. And so I picked her up at the airport at about 1130 at night. <laughs> and uh, of course, they lost her they lost her luggage. So oh, no. and the and the luggage didn't come probably for about four days, five days after she arrived here. So when she got here, she had like just the stuff in her carry-ons. And uh that was nothing. I is I, I've been traveling lots, and even before I met Dan, I was traveling lots, and I never had any issues with my luggage ever so on my carry-on i didn't have anything that i really needed for you know the first, uh, like no clothes nothing nothing <laughs> i just had my my laptop my camera like basic stuff that i don't want to get you know carried yeah. so they don't get broken right so yeah that definitely broke the ice when i had to uh, ask for <laughs> give me your t-shirt something i need to wear something <laughs> It was a, it was a funny day. Yeah, I was like, no, you have nothing. I have nothing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the first. Uh, I was stressed. I was really stressed at the airport, not having my suitcase. I had no idea. First time in Canada, I didn't know him in person, and no suitcase. I kind of felt I felt lost. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> at least it was summertime, and it wasn't minus thirty. So. <laughs> That, that yeah. was a sort of a bonus to the whole thing. <laughs> so you spent time together in Canada. You spent time together in Greece. Did you continue your, your relationship after that? And and then, you know, do you want to tell us a little bit about the 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 marriage? <laughs> yeah, we. That's like said. Like I said, we spent three and a half weeks here, and then I flew back with her immediately, uh, and spent three and a half weeks in Greece. Then I came home, and I forget how many months we were apart, but. We met at the WBC in oh, Rhode Island for uh, the conference after that. That's right. Then you came back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we stayed apart for more than three months uh, since we started officially dating. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then COVID happened and we went over a seven month, seven month period. We only saw each other for about two and a half, three weeks. Mm. And we had already talked about getting married and that sort of thing before COVID happened, but it wasn't like on our uh, immediate list to do, of things to do, but it was just something we had talked about. And we, we knew like even before we met in person, like when she flew here and I flew back with her, um, we already knew there was something strong between us and we just had to meet in person to check off all the boxes and make sure okay, this is real. And it really, and it was, and here we are. That's so amazing. that's amazing. And I love that you made it, you made it kind of work even long distance. Um, Dan, do you want to share a little bit about how you proposed to Nasia? Well, that's what I was kind of leading up to. That's what I was, <laughs> I was, I was leading up to with the, uh, with the COVID situation. Because, like as I said, we only saw each other for about two and a half or three weeks over the seven over a seven month period, and even though we had already talked about getting married, we weren't planning on doing it right away. 
but as I said, COVID happened. It actually, when COVID broke out, I was in Greece visiting and mm. I had a friend who's an air, who works for uh, the airline and she called me from Canada saying, where are you? And I'm like, I'm still in Greece. Like, you know, I, you don't know my plan. You booked my flight. And uh, right. she goes, well, you should consider getting home because of this pandemic that's happening. And I was like, yeah, we were watching that on the news. Uh, <laughs> sounds like it's, it sounds like it's uh, going to be pretty bad. I said, uh, so I was thinking like maybe in a week, because I had like another three and a half weeks. Because I was supposed to be there for like two over two months, I think. Right. And uh, I was only there for about a, two weeks or so. And she's like, well, you should consider going home. And I'm like, well, yeah, next week, I'll probably cut the trip a little bit early and go home then. I said, why? What are you, what are you thinking? She goes, well, you should get home earlier than that. I'm like, well, when? And she goes, like, yesterday. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it was pretty funny because maybe a half an hour later, Nasia's friend, who is, air, who is a travel agent in Greece, she calls Nasia and says, is Dan still in, in Greece? And she's like, yeah, but uh, why? What's going on? She goes, well, she, he should consider going home real soon. And it was the same answer. Like when? Like yesterday. <laughs> so next thing you know, within 24 hours, I'm flying back home by myself mm -hmm. just because of the pandemic. And I'm if I didn't if I didn't actually fly home that day, um, I don't know if I would actually would have been able to get back to Canada for about mm. I don't know how many months. Right. But either way, uh, so then we were separated for all this time and I couldn't fly to Greece. She couldn't fly to Canada because we weren't spouses and without a, with the um, mm -hmm, right. COVID restrictions. So it kind of put the uh, the rush on us to get married where, okay, well, if we get married, then you can actually travel back to Canada. I can mm -hmm. actually, travel, I can go to Greece. And that's, so I don't know if we actually, if I actually proposed in real. It was mostly like, let's, let's make that step let's decide are we going to go through with this or yeah, yeah. it wasn't an actual yeah it, it, online proposal <laughs> that's the thing we have this awesome love story and this awesome way how we met and everything else but the proposal is just like <laughs> it's covid's fault it's yeah. covid's fault that's right yeah so well that's so that that is not important no, right. Other things that are more important. Right. Yeah. I also think it's because of our age and our experiences what as well. What do you well. mean? Am I old? <laughs> <laughs> no, no comment. No comment. Still <laughs> five years younger. Yeah. Yeah. She just. Well, I know we hear. Oh, she just had her what? Her forty. Um. Forty fifth. I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Why? <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that I'm 45. Yeah. I was almost, I almost died at 23. So yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. so, what I was um, saying, no, go ahead, Dan. Well, what I was saying about our, uh, the proposal and our, our, our situations, Nessie had already been married once. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm almost 50 and I, I'd never been married, but I had been engaged once. Mm -hmm. It's not like we were 19, 20 year old couple starting off our mm -hmm. new life and and still trying to figure ourselves out. I think we had pretty much figured out who we were, what we wanted, and we both wanted the same things in life. We just happened to be uh, 6,000 kilometers away from each other. Mm -hmm. And 
that's mm-hmm. the biggest struggle we had to we have to overcome is the geography between us. Mm-hmm. But everything else. Yeah, plus, we were definitely both commitment committed to each other. Committed. Com- committed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, to each other. So we didn't need this validation of uh, you know being married and I, I'm for you. I'm the only one, or he's the only one for me. Like we knew that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's beautiful. We're not rushing about getting married. Yeah. Some with back with that committed thing. Some people think that Nasia should have been committed for marrying me, but <laughs> <laughs> that look that she just gave you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think my, my one of my questions is, you know, after your injuries, did you did you both date outside of um, you know other burn survivors? And um, what advice would you give to someone who's trying to date or beginning to date, and what that was like? Um, and then, you know, you have just happened to meet another burn survivor. Um, but what makes your relationship right different, um, being able to date another burn survivor? Oh, uh, well, Nasty can answer first because she was burned first. Okay. So. <laughs> Plus, I'm a woman and I'm younger. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, um relationships were really really difficult and as i said i was married at the time and my husband was actually the one that was responsible for uh, causing the accident so basically my my whole world collapsed in many aspects not only um from what happened, not only from losing my friends, but what happened in our in our marriage, right? Uh, the trust. So um, after getting out of the hospital, I returned home and I returned to a different person, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And we all know that when you go through something so powerful, so traumatic, it changes you. Mm-hmm. It really changes you. And... I realized that he wasn't the person that I thought he was. And uh, I was really scared of how he would accept me with my burns and everything. He was injured as well, but not severely. So uh, he was in Greece. I was in the UK. We were two years, almost two years apart, back and forth, just me uh, visiting Greece as uh, much as I could. But I couldn't stay away from the UK because of my recovery. So it, that just, yeah, we, we, we drifted apart. Um, and then when I came back and I was, uh, I saw a different person and I wasn't accepted, that really, that really shook me back then. I wasn't accepted, although he was the one that caused the accident. So that traumatized me even more when it came to relationships. So I lost my trust mm. to people. And I wasn't feeling that I would be ever accepted by anyone since even my husband, that he caused the accident, didn't accept me. So anyway, it was a long and very um, difficult process of getting um, divorced and getting separated by him. It took me around four years to... uh, finally decide that yeah i'm not going to stay with this person because he's not the right person for me and what made me realize that it was um having another health issue 
um, after my burns. So 2001, I had my burn injury. And 2005, I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm well today. Anyway, I didn't receive support from him even when I had cancer. So mm. it, it's like a switch. I just turn it down, I turned off, and that's it. You're out the door. I'm on my own. And there's no point trying out to save this marriage because I'm not getting anything uh, of value. So uh, we separated. And then from 2005, basically, just because I had all those feelings that I, won't, I would never be accepted by anyone, since he never accepted me with my injuries, even though, as I said, he caused the accident, mm. I just stopped thinking of relationships or anything I wasn't dating I was I was having fun like I made sure that I had fun it was always with friends so I never looked into uh, starting a relationship with anyone because I didn't have the confidence and then Dan came into the play and uh, we started chatting and as he said we, there was nothing nothing um, um, more than a friendship online there were, for me Canada was not in my map I would mm. never even think of uh, visiting Canada as, you know, as a tourist. Mm -hmm. Here I am. So never say never because <laughs> you never know what the life will bring and who your life and how he will uh, impact your life in a good way. So be open. That's uh, I regret not being open for all those years before then because I really wasn't um allowing myself to be accepted by other people because i was so certain that i wasn't so yeah that really really uh, blocked me for many 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 years he That's helped beautiful, me because i always hear my, uh, comfort zone and you always hear more. you know you you least expect it right love happens mm -hmm. when you least expect it and it sounds like that's what happened in your case as well yeah <laughs> definitely definitely mm -hmm. yeah so your turn let's let's hear about your dating life before <laughs> i had none <laughs> you're the first and only woman ever <laughs> just kidding but um like i said when when i was injured i was actually living with uh my girlfriend at the time we both had our own houses i had a rental house and she had her own house and I moved out completely of my rental house and rented it out completely and then moved in with her. And we were basically planning our lives uh, before I got burned. And we were talking about getting married before I was burned. And then after I was burned, we, we uh, officially had our, set our engagement had her. And uh, so that was the plan. We were planning to be married, but as I said earlier, I was just so angry and negative and uh, the dealing with the PTSD issues. Um, I couldn't have a relationship with anybody. Everything I like anybody that was around me sooner or later, you would uh, feel my anger and I would target you. It's just how I was. I was so angry. So I guess some now that I look back on it, my previous uh, fiance at the time, we probably would have ended up getting divorced even if I wasn't burned. 
we just mm. weren't a we just weren't a really good match. And sometimes you don't really know that while you're in the relationship and mm -hmm. reflecting on things later. It's like, yeah, this is another reason why this, by being burned was a good thing for me because if I wasn't burned, I would have been, I, I wouldn't have been with her anyway, but I just would have had 10 years of not wasted life, but life mm. that I could have been doing something else or just having the regret, the regret in that regard, I guess. Uh, so we broke up and probably had, I got to say within six months to a year after us breaking up, I had another girlfriend and I met her at my physiotherapy clinic and I didn't really choose to be in a relationship with her. It just kind of happened. And I think I was just kind of taking whatever was coming my way in, a, in that regard where I wasn't feeling lovable. I wasn't feeling good, but all of a sudden this person was showing interest in me and we dated for about a year or so, maybe year and a half ish. And, uh, that ended and like usual, um, I wasn't a kind, caring person. I was just too focused on myself and just being angry. And I wasn't accepting the pro the help I, I, I should have, that it was available to me. So we broke up and then I had a, one or two other women that I dated along that, after that stretch. And, <laughs> and I was just, yeah. Yeah. It's all about those two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we end the interview? <laughs> but it's sometimes relationships, people, they put too much emphasis on the fact that they're burned. And like I noticed a lot of the my burn survivor friends and myself it's kind of easy sometimes to blame everything on being burned where it's mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm overweight and it's because I'm burned. Uh, I'm angry because I'm burned. I'm this because I'm burned. And lots of times if you weren't burned, you would still have all these issues. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel being burned was the best experience of my life because I was carrying around so much heavy baggage from childhood abuse that I never dealt with. I, I knew I accepted it and I thought, okay, that's just how my life was. That's how it is. And I'm going forward and I'm getting, and I've got over it because I, I don't think about it anymore, but I never actually took the time to see, seek counseling or to even tell people about this abuse that I had. And the course of through the course of being burned, it forced me to go back in time and deal with all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing now if I wasn't burned, I probably just would have kept on dating people and then having these relationships end because I just wasn't an attentive boyfriend. I wasn't as I'm not, that's not like saying I was a bad person, but I was just focused on going forward. Like mm -hmm. I got to go to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. And mm -hmm. I just wasn't really focused on being 
a good boyfriend or a good in a, in a relationship. And that also could be a lot to do with age as well. Like where are you just, you're a young guy, you're out there having fun and that kind of thing. But um, it's, it's different now. I really like after. He's different. He's different. He's a really good husband. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I should say what yeah. you love most about one another, right? Being in a relationship. I know you're survivors, but it can be. Um, like you said, Dan, I, it's not all about being burned. Right. So, um, no, that's what I was saying before, like Nessie has about seven years of experience being a burn survivor more than I do. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a lot from her. Like, even when we first met, like in, in 2016, that's when, when we actually first met in real, in real life. And we probably talked online for a year and a half or so before that. So I kind of, I knew quite a bit about her. And it's amazing how much information you can share online. I never, th- I never actually realized how close you can get and how much information you can share. Like when you date somebody normally, you go to the movies, you don't talk for two hours. Mm-hmm. You drive from the movie, you go to the restaurant. <laughs> you don't really talk all that much. You listen to music, you might go dancing, whatever. And then you go home. So out of like four hours on a date or something, you might talk <laughs> for 10, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um but we spent hours and hours talking. And like I said, she's taught me a lot. And like, for instance, when we first went to Greece, we said it was summertime and seven or eight of other, of Nasty's other friends, all of us went to uh, the, the uh, Greek islands and we just went beach hopping for a week. Mm. And it was really enjoyable. And I remember one time we were on the beach there was a woman staring at Nasty and I, because the two of us, like, I have no problems taking my shirt off. Like, from day one, um, like, my scars, I've always been self-conscious about my scars, but I'm at the, at the same point, I don't really care what other people think, because mm-hmm. I'm taking my shirt off, I'm taking my shirt off. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. And Nasty is the same way, so, and we're comfortable that way. But at the same time, like I said, as I've gotten... With I talk about my anger issues. Lots of times my anger isn't really anger. It's more of me over defending myself mm-hmm. where I look for reasons to defend myself. And now I'm going to attack you because you're attacking me. And I take it, you know, I take it one step farther. And when we were on the beach, there was a woman staring at us so much mm-hmm. like she just would not stop staring and then she's bumping her husband and giving him in the elbow and pointing at us and stuff and i could just feel like it was like 46 degrees celsius on the beach and we're all sweating and i could feel myself jumping up to 56 degrees like <laughs> <laughs> angry and i'm looking at this woman like i my i had laser beam eyes we just want to melt her and <laughs> and I could feel myself like wanting to go over and say something to her. And the next thing I know, Nasia stands up and walks up to her and <laughs> says, hello, how are you? And the woman's like, uh, I'm good. I'm good. And Nasia like kind of reaches out to shake hands. And the woman's like, uh, do I know you or something? And says, no, not at all. She was, I thought maybe I knew you or we knew each other. You were staring at <laughs> You're staring at us so much. I thought I'd introduce myself, or maybe <laughs> we knew each other. 
<laughs> the woman's husband was just like, whoa, Lee. <laughs> I, have, I have to say here that I would never ever imagine myself doing that if I wasn't, if I didn't attend the WBC into mm. 2014 in Anaheim. And that was where I went to one of the breakout sessions that they were focusing on uh, how to how to react when someone is staring. And I remember mm -hmm. it was Cindy and I believe it was James that they were running that breakout session. And I took uh -huh. so much information and actually ways of uh, practicing what they were trying to teach us. And we mm. also did a practice. Like I remember we stood in the room and we walked around and uh, we just walked to someone and spoke to them and practiced what we can say. And that's what I took and I brought it back to Greece so I can deal with all the I love that. So that was really <laughs> one from Phoenix Society and I'm so grateful because it made a huge difference. It obviously yeah, it was, made an impact great. on Dan as well. <laughs> well it's true because it, like I said, it really taught me because like my usual response to that situation would be like, what are you looking at, jerk face? Something like that. But <laughs> no swearing online. Jerk. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but... No, but you learned something that day. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's always better when you yeah, can make that. I, I really I really did. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah, I I looked at Nasty in a whole new light, and hmm. Nasty's other friend, uh, Alex, he was there at the same time, and he saw the whole exchange, and he could, see, and him and I had just met like maybe a day before as well, so I didn't really know anybody very well. I was the new kid on the block, and he was uh, he was looking at me, and I know, and he he said something like, uh, "Just relax, Dan, relax." <laughs> Nasty is a big girl. <laughs> And uh, I was like, yes, she is. She is. And he's like, he's just strong. She's a strong woman. I'm like, yeah, you got that right. I learned, a really great learning experience for me. Yeah. Well, what you asked about our um, relationship, um, um, I have to say that we both bring out the best of each other. I think we worked as a great team. That's uh, that's one of our. Uh, yeah, it's Strong true. points, I think. Yeah, she knows that I need to simmer down sometimes, and <laughs> I know that sometimes she has to get a little more aggressive. <laughs> and I don't mean an aggressive where she's in a, in a, weak, in a weak way, but she's just too kind. Like <laughs> she does, she tiptoes around everybody's feelings where she doesn't want to hurt anybody, and she always wants to make a positive change or a positive uh, effort and everything. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm too tired. I've got a headache. My back is sore, uh, whatever. I'm cold, I'm hot, I'm whatever. I don't even know what I'm feeling. And she's just like, well, calm it down. Take it down mm -hmm. a level. So we, we, usually, we usually end up meeting at the right at the exact halfway point just because that's where we balance each other out. Yeah, I think uh, mm -hmm. I think I'm the one that calms him down, as he said, and he's the one that gives me what I need to feel more confident on in myself. So mm -hmm. that kind of balances everything out, and that's what makes us a good team. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we really are a good team in, er in everything. We like 
we love cooking together. We have, we have, we really enjoy having friends and family over for dinner and we cook together like all the time. And yeah, we do everything I together. Love that. Yeah. yeah. That's how I am with my husband. I never want to I never want to do something without him because I enjoy being around him so much, right? And that's what it is to be married, right? Is to really enjoy that other person. Yeah, it's true. Especially since neither one of us work full time. Like if we don't have to work or we, we actually don't have to work um, full time, as I said. So there's lots of times we're home 24 seven for weeks at a time and mm -hmm. months at a time. And we're content being with each other. It's not like we're missing out on, on other things when we're, when we're together, it's good. Well, we're together. This is good enough. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice yeah. because we both uh, work on different stuff. Lots, many of many days. Yeah. We like, I spend lots of hours behind the screen of my computer doing my own stuff and Dan mm -hmm. is working away on his stuff. And then I'll come and say, well, I'm taking a break in one hour and he will plan to take a break in one hour and just sit mm -hmm. together. You know, it's, it's yeah. Watch it. Nice. Watch a TV show or something. Yeah. You pick like, the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know we are, are coming up on time, but we have a few more questions we want to ask. I think the first question we really want to ask is, um, I know we hear it sometimes in the community, but what would, advice would you give to someone who feels like they're unlovable? And I know, Nasi, it sounds like you kind of shut yourself out, right, for a bit, um, but either one of you could answer this. What advice would you give to someone? Uh, as I said before, just be open. It's not an easy process, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, I really need to say that Phoenix Society is what um, helped me open up because in Greece, I haven't really met any other burn survivors, although I'm 22 years into my burn journey as a burn survivor. I only met maybe four or five people in Greece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was a lonely place to be as a bird survivor. So uh, I was looking for support and I found Phoenix Society. And I just want to say to everyone, just receive the support if you find it. Or if you don't receive any support, try to find someone that will be there for you and support you on your journey. And just be open, be open. And the first thing that we need to do is accept ourselves. And it's a very hard process. That's the mm. For me, that was the toughest one. But I know we all say that it does get better. Mm -hmm. It really does get better. We just mm -hmm. have to be patient. And uh, mm. uh, when you find someone that's there for you and it's willing to offer that support, mm. take it. Take it because mm -hmm. that, that can really help you. That can really help you. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely important to find that community. And, you know, one thing I love about your story in particular is that you guys were just friends. You were just mm -hmm. supporting each other as friends and into something more, which really is, I don't want to sound cheesy on Valentine's Day, but is the foundation <laughs> of a really great relationship. So, and I, like I said, since it is Valentine's Day, are you two doing anything special today to celebrate? Well, Today, actually, we, we're we not going to do very much today, but we have plans to go to the symphony in a couple days. And that's kind of going to be our Valentine's uh, Day uh, excursion. 
Like today is like really cold. It's about minus, I think it's minus 25 and really windy. And Burr. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> just a nice movie, I guess. Yeah. And cuddle up on the couch and just enjoy. Yeah. yeah. And and you mentioned before you're not symphony people, but you I like I loved what you said because I love I love this idea as well as a couple is to just go out and try new things. And uh I think that's so important. So I love to hear that you're just going out and venturing together and, and doing new things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're we were just in Portland, Oregon about a, two weeks ago. I had a speaking job there. And before I met Nasia, I didn't have any appreciation for art and painting and that sort of thing. Um, I guess I had appreciation for different forms of art, but for me to go to a museum, especially an art <laughs> museum, it was not on my forte that like it wasn't <laughs> but since we've been dating i've i've learned a lot about art and i've experienced a lot of different uh venues with that sort of thing and we were just at the art museum in portland and had a great time and it's kind of it's what Nasia wants to do and i'm just following her around but at the same, <laughs> but at the same time I enjoy thing. I enjoy experiencing things that I don't really know a lot about, and mm -hmm. it's it's just better that way. Just like me, I never thought that I would enjoy going to an arm wrestling tournament. <laughs> <laughs> well, and speaking of that, um, I want to hear a little bit about what you're each doing before we close out today, and we'll we'll be a few minutes over our hour time mark, but that's okay. Um, I want to hear a little bit about both of you, so. Um, let's start with you, Dan, um, arm wrestling. Yes. Um, I I've seen some of this on Facebook as well. Um, cause I do follow you, Dan, but, awesome. um, tell us a little bit about, um, what you're doing and then we'll turn it over to Nasia and learn more about her, her art okay. therapy. Well, the arm wrestling segues very well with our conversation about trying new things and experiencing things and being open to different things because with my burn issues, my arms are really tight and they contract in quite a bit. So I've got braces, like splints that I have to wear at nighttime, um, constantly doing physio and therapy and that sort of thing. And one of my friends who's been uh, an arm wrestler for 30 years at least, um, I knew he was still active, but I didn't really know much about it. So I called him one day and just said, do you think I could come to their, your team practice and just kind of be like your warm-up guy and uh, just kind of get my arms stretched out a little bit and it'll give me a reason to get out of the house once a week. And, you know, that's it. He goes, yeah, come on down, try it out. And after the first practice, I fell in love with the sport. Uh, the camaraderie amongst the guys, uh, working out, having fun. And a lot of people think that arm wrestling is just a bunch of meatheads trying to hurt each other like the like on the movies where the guys are guzzling motor oil before a turn before a match and all the, that weird stuff but it's a real sport and it's kind of hard to be six inches away nose to nose like you're smelling the other guy's breath you're holding hands you're eye to eye you're nose to nose and you're trying to push him down he's trying to push you down but when you're in the practice situation there's many times where you're holding hands and your coach is telling you, okay, stop. And you do this, do that. And 
10, 20 minutes later, you're still hanging, you're still holding hands with another man and you're looking at him across the table kind of thing. And next thing you know, you're talking about what you had for dinner. You're talking about what their kids did the day before and uh, what you did the, the night before. And, and it's just a really cerebral, enjoyable uh, activity for me. And I just continue doing it because of the joy of it. And then I kind of, I, and I'm actually pretty good. And, world champion. I've, I've heard. So that's amazing. <laughs> arms. Like, I'm so yeah. proud of him. Yeah, yeah. it's great. I, I've I don't have a I've only been in four tournaments, but every tournament I've been in, I placed first to third. And wow. in both arms. That's amazing. Yeah, and I just went to the world championships, uh, the International Federation of Arm Wrestling uh World Championships in France, uh September 29th and 30th. And, and you won. And I won. I won gold in for in uh, both arms. Oh, yeah. This, this is one of my my medals. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> I actually got two of them. <laughs> oh, look at him go! And you said you he's good with both arms, correct? So that's really hard to 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 be able to kind of compete with both arms. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's I love it. And um, you're also a speaker. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I know um, I love watching the, the Dan comics. I, I see them all over the internet. Uh, the Dan Plexman comics are my favorite, but I know you yes. also do speaking. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that before we turn it over to Nasia? Sure. Uh, I never wanted to be a speaker. I never planned on it. It's just one of those things that was sort of thrown at me. One time, about three or four years old, yeah, four years after being burned, I took some safety courses because I was thinking about heading back into the job, the workforce, and mm -hmm. what else better thing to do is be a safety guy. So one of the courses was uh, train the trainer, and you had to do a, I had to do a, a ten minute speech in front of the class. So I talked about my workplace issue or my my workplace injury, and after the my presentation was over. The teacher told me to stay after class. And when I was, we were done, he walked me down to the chancellor's office and said, this guy has to be our keynote speaker at the, our next safety conference. So without having any training, without ever wanting to be a, a speaker, I'm all of a sudden put on a stage in front of 500 other safety professionals. Mm -hmm. And I gave my first presentation and pretty much every speaking engagement I've done after that, I've received another one and the train just kind of keeps on chugging along and it's a great experience to be able to share mm -hmm. my experience with other people who aren't burned, who aren't, they're not burn survivors. They're just regular workers because being burned is just part of the story. A lot of the story is workplace health and safety following mm -hmm. safe work procedures and protocols that can apply to everybody's life from school kids to uh, adults. Mm. And that's how the uh, comic book, the Plex man came about is where I, love it. I, I talked to adults at workplaces, but I wanted to have an Avenue where they could take home these messages to their kids and mm -hmm. get safety into the home and teach our kids to be safe before they even enter the workforce. I love that. Thank you. It's, it's really enjoyable. 
So Nasia, do you want to tell us a little bit about your art? You're a certified professional art therapist, but you also work with other organizations on safety. Do you want to talk a little bit about the work you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Haber. Well, I have um, I have been uh, speaking about road safety uh, basically in Greece um, since 2000. 18 2017 i've been working with the traffic police and going to schools and sharing my story and trying to maybe impact them in a positive way so when the children go out on the roads they are more aware of the dangers um, and i want them to use their voice so they demand their safety it was something that i didn't do on that day and i regret it so i'm promoting road safety in that way and I have been uh, speaking to other communities and organizations, just trying to um, raise awareness on road safety and how important it is to use our voice mm. and demand our safety. And lately, I have also been working on uh, um, spreading awareness on our mental health, and I do that mm. through my uh, through a guide a guided class of uh, coloring. So that's what I've been using lately. Uh, so I that's speak awesome. about my experience of being burned. Um, yeah, I have to interrupt. We had, <laughs> I had a speaking job in the fall and they were looking to fill one of the time slots. And they actually said, yeah, if we could find something artistic to add to this conference, it would be great. And I'm like, oh, I just happen to know somebody. <laughs> and Nasia taught her art therapy class. That's and awesome. And one of the uh, people... In one of the people in the conference, when the conference afterwards, she said it was so cool to have uh, a, like a hundred um, adult male construction workers coloring, and she was, and some of them were crying. It was so <laughs> awesome. It was an amazing experience for myself too. Just uh, you know, it, it wasn't. For me, I was intimidated, like having construction guys and asking mm -hmm. them to color something. It was, uh, yeah, it was a challenging <laughs> task, <I'm sure. laughs> but it was, it did go well. And I'm so happy that I tried it. And yeah, they, they followed all the instructions that I gave them. And the different, it's a, my approach on these coloring uh, cards that I have created is not just coloring and practicing mindfulness is just focusing your mind on a specific words. So my coloring cards that I created are focusing on, uh, let's say, for example, acceptance, uh, self-love, mm. resiliency, uh, hope, uh, all these different words that that's how I guide them. I, we focus on that word and we bring out emotions and thoughts and maybe an inner inner dialogue that will uh, give you some clarity on what you're feeling uh, on that specific topic. So it seems to go well and people are enjoying it. And I'm so happy that I can share what I experience when I am in that state, when I color, mm -hmm. when I draw, when I paint, which is totally a beautiful place and state to be, a state of mind to be. So I want people to experience that and that's what I'm trying to do. So when I speak, I share about my uh, my accident, how I was introduced to art, and um, then we go through the process of coloring together. And as I say, it's what works for me doesn't work for everyone, but I want them mm -hmm. to find 
to open up a new maybe way of thinking that okay coloring is not my thing but i can find something else that will give me this feeling so the i want them to mm -hmm. find what works for them so mm. they can feel better mm -hmm. and help themselves well and okay. we will share both um websites in our show notes um to be able to to let our listeners know how they can get involved and and be a part of yeah. what you're both sharing with the world. Uh, Rachel, do you want to kick us off with our final two questions? Because I know we always ask survivors two questions. I hope mm -hmm. you guys are ready. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we always love to ask if, uh, well, either of you or both of you together, do anything special for your anniversaries. Oh, well, anniversary. Uh, to be honest, no, I don't plan to do anything special on that day. It's summer and um, no, I just, not something special. I try to um, reflect on the year that passed and just um, go through the day. It's an emotional day for me just because I lost my friends. If I didn't have that aspect, I'm pretty okay with what happened to me. I fully accepted what happened to me. I have no issues with that. Accepting that I lost my friends, that's what gets me every year. Just adding one more year of them not being here, that's what gets me. Yeah, myself, I typically don't do anything special, but over the years, there's been some years where I've completely forgot that it was my anniversary. And then it's like, oh yeah, it's been five years. Oh yeah, it's been seven years exactly. And I don't think about it. And then there's also been other years where the my anniversary is coming up and I spiral into a major depression for months mm -hmm. just because of the dates and the and my burn and I was burned September 30th. So it kind of it leads into the holiday season. And the holiday season typically isn't a isn't a great season for me in general. Um just because there's the so the the uh, the family issues that I have with um, with my family, I tend not to have a really close relationship with them. So a lot of times I've just kind of been a little bit more depressed than I should be. Mm. But the last, I don't know, I got to say five, six years at least, I've I've learned to recognize it and I'm getting much better at recognizing that I'm getting depressed, recognizing that I'm getting angry and dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And um, this last year, I was able to celebrate my burn anniversary the best way I could ever think of because, like I said, September 30th, 2008, that was the day I was injured. And mm -hmm. this past year, September 30th, 2022, I was in France winning the world championships in both arms. Right That's arm. a beautiful way to celebrate it. Yeah, yeah definitely so, clap for him. Yeah, we, <laughs> well, we can accelerate it better. <laughs> well, that's an amazing way to celebrate. Well, my last question for both of you would be how do you how do you practice self-care? So what does self-care look like for Dan and Nasia? Do you do it together? Do you practice self-care separately? I know my husband and I like to kind of he likes to play video games and I like to go get a massage. Um, do you practice self-care together or what does that look like for you guys? Uh, for me, it's uh, definitely getting lost with my paints and my brushes mm -hmm. in my art. Like I, mm -hmm. I enjoy it so much. So that's definitely self-care. But um, I, when I see that he's feeling down, I'm, I'm, I'm putting some 
effort in trying to make him feel better those mm. days and he does the same with me so mm. spending time together is also something that we we really enjoy and yeah. helps us yeah and with myself and self-care i think the biggest part of it is recognizing that i'm starting to spiral that you need it mm-hmm. yeah and being alone i i'm a person i like i really like my alone time Mm. But and I am and I'm actually really good at being alone where I'm okay with it. But if I spend too much time alone, then I start spiraling and I don't mm-hmm. really and I don't realize it. Like like I said, I don't realize it. So recognizing that I'm feeling down, recognizing that I need to put myself out there, mm. that's the best form of self-care for myself. And then I love that. and besides, and other than that, uh, like working out and being physical. Uh, really helps a lot. It's kind of like if you want to change your state of mind, change your state of body. If you want to change your state of body, change your state of mind. And you can Absolutely. do both. You can do both to uh, counteract whatever you're feeling. Well, you guys have brought us nothing but joy in this episode. So I want to thank you both for your willingness to be here today and wish you both a very happy Valentine's Day. Um, you have been such a, a wonderful feature for Girls with Graphs. And with that, uh, any final thoughts before we close out today? I just want to say thank you for inviting us and happy Valentine's Day to everyone, everyone out there listening. Thank you both so much. We hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Grafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.